Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and to the traditional owners of the game Mangrook, without which our game wouldn't exist. This is Footy Actually, brought to you by Play On Radio. Hello and welcome to Footy Actually, the alternative listening footy podcast for diehard fans. My name is Kel Rowe and I'm here with my co-host, Gemma Bastiani, AFLW analyst extraordinaire. How are you, Gem? It's been a while. Hello. Yeah, look, it's my fault that it's been a while. <laughs> it's also my fault that my audio is bad. So apologies to everyone for all the bad things I've done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just get out. We're done. No, no, totally fine. My interface decided to stop working two hours ago and I don't have the brain capacity to try and fix it. So headphone mic it is. It's Monday night. No one's interface is working. Let's be real. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, well, here we are just one week away from the season 2022 grand final and what a final series it's been. We've had top two table finish from Melbourne and Adelaide, saw both sides get a rest. The remainder of our qualifying finalists hit it out for a spot in the prelims. Fremantle put on a dominant display to oust North and the Lions were pretty clinical when it came to their final against the Pies. That match, of course, was postponed for a week as health and safety protocols saw the Collingwood side benched. The prelims brought us two close battles between the remaining four sides and for the very first time, AFLW at the G. The Ds ran out onto a beautiful deck and brought pressure to the contest against the Lions, ultimately holding on to the win. Fremantle flew to Adelaide for a showdown against the Crows and the home side hunger for their fourth grand final appearance was just simply too much to overcome, beating the Dockers by 14 points. It's a pretty big weekend. Well, yeah, I mean, it was one day where everything was rammed very close to one another. So it was incredibly stressful as well as being fun. Mm -hmm. It's a lot to take in. Yeah, I was covering the second game, but obviously wasn't going to miss the MCG. So as soon as the siren went at the MCG, I had to sprint to my car, sit there and tether um, from my phone <laughs> to watch it on my iPad, drive home quickly at halftime. It was a very stressful afternoon. We went to a pub and obnoxiously hassled the bar staff to turn the volume on so that we could listen to the commentary while we were watching um, and ended up basically having a private dining room to ourselves, which was probably good. The Adelaide game are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, look commentary in that one you probably didn't want to hear yeah look some big oopses good, good to know that the antonio's are sisters mm-hmm, mm-hmm. absolutely never would have picked it <laughs> horrendously bad oh. uh, so our first qualifying final a few weeks ago now it was obviously north v frio north looked pretty dangerous in the first term but then Fremantle came out firing after the break and put their foot down to claim a huge 38-point victory. Haley Miller continued to be a star for a side, led the turnaround and clunked an unbelievable mark out of nowhere, kicking a crucial goal. There was a little bit of late game form from Jazz Garner, but it just wasn't really enough in the face of a dominant Dockers side. The thing that was really interesting about Freo's game that day was that they didn't play the way we've come to expect them to play this year. Right. Which is pressure, chaos ball, 
not relying on using the ball perfectly, but just getting it into the forward line however possible. So that's how we've known Freer to play all year. You know, they've had some big wins off the back of that. But in that game against North, they actually laid 47 tackles, I think it was, which is the fewest of their season. Mm. Um, And then they also used the ball at, I think, nearly 68% efficiency, which is the highest of their season. So they kind of took North's game away from them by playing that way. Yeah. Um, And I think North would have prepared to come in and be like, okay, if you can win the uncontested ball and don't allow that pressure, then you just control the game. And Fremantle didn't do that. Mm, Yeah, it was very uncharacteristic. I was there on the boundary and kind of confused in the first (laughs) first quarter. And then, yeah, then, of course, they came out and and took it for the win. Who are your play on performance, Gemma? Uh, Look, this is just off the top of my head from a memory of a game from two weeks ago that I haven't prepared for. Um, So take it with a grain of salt. But I'm going to say Hayley Miller 3 because I think she has just led them on field um, really well. Mm -hmm. Uh, She does the things that they need her to do physically, but then also brings them with her in the process of that. Um, I'd probably give the two to Anya Tai. Anya Tai's work in the forward line. She may not get a lot of stats. She may not kick a lot of goals herself, but the way she sets up her teammates in that forward line, her ability to move into that forward line was incredible. Obviously with Janelle Cuthbertson back in the side, the way she was able to square the ball up into the center or or hold the ball up when she's in a one-on-two or one-on-three, for teammates to arrive was really impressive. So Anya probably gets my two. And then one, it's a toss-up between Cuthbertson and Cara Antonio. Mm. I think Cara Antonio's work in that game went really underrated. She's a very, very clever footballer. She was playing in the forward half and she just did those little things that really set her team up. So I'll probably go with her for the one, but um, Janelle Cuthbertson had 12 intercepts in that game, which I think is the most for a Freo player in a final. And only one of one of three Frio players to have had more than 10 intercepts in a game, I think. Because uh, Laura Pugh had 12, I think, a couple of weeks ago. And Onya Tai had 12 a few weeks ago as well in, against Collingwood. That's all off the top of my head. Those numbers might be slightly wrong, but that's where I'm going with all that. That's not bad off the top of your head for a game a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> it was so long ago. <laughs> it is. A couple of weeks is a long time in footy. I gave Miller three votes. Uh, agree with you. I think she does some pretty magic things as a captain uh, and just as a as an athlete as well. I'm still that grab in in the game where she just arched her back and caught it behind the back of her head with her fingertips. Beautiful mark. I gave two to Bowers, who um, I think was pretty quiet in the first half of the game from memory. She didn't register all that many touches, but then obviously flicked a switch and, and went boom. Ended up with 21 and it only had the three tackles, which is the fewest of her career. Yeah. So certainly did a lot with the ball in the back half of the game, um, but not our, our usual Bowers tackling game that we know. And you know me, I always like to give one to the losing team. Uh, so I've given one to Carney. Was interesting in the face of what the Dockers were doing in that game. She would, she did start on the halfback in that role that she's been playing all year, which I have really enjoyed. But then towards the end of the game, when they were just trying to make something happen in their favour, they threw it back into the midfield to try and affect some change, and sort of didn't really have much effect by the end. But I like the way that, like Miller, she does try and bring her team along and force that that tide to turn. Well, in that first quarter, she was finding so much space, and I was yeah. worried that Freo were going to let that game slip because they weren't being accountable to her. And mm. Bianca Webb was brought into the side to run with Carney again, because she did a really good job on her the year before. Yeah. But they were letting her get space, but they clearly were confident enough that they could limit what she could do with the ball 
by their, their defensive work up the field. So, yeah, it was really interesting. Yeah, definitely a different sort of game from both sides. But, you know, Freya got it in the end. And then we'll quickly talk about <laughs> the other qualifying final because I know you haven't had a lot of thought and prep for this one. Brisbane Collingwood, uh, the Lions were pretty clinical in their execution of a 50-point steamroll of Collingwood at the Gabba. The reigning premiers, they weren't really ever in doubt, but they put in a comprehensive effort across the board whilst the impact of COVID on the pies was pretty clear, running out of legs at the back end of the game. The latter were undisciplined at times and it cost them pretty dearly with several Brisbane goals a result of 50-metre penalties. Yeah, look, I mean, I found the commentary really interesting in this game because they they were the, the common thread of it throughout the whole game was that Jesse Wardlaw was controlling the game and she was the best forward on the ground and she was going to tear them apart. But watching the game, it didn't feel like Wardlaw was the dominant forward on the field. Um, yeah, she took a few mics, but it didn't feel like that kind of game where that forward could just tear the game apart. So yeah. it was really interesting seeing how other people kind of perceived it. I thought it was the smalls that were most impressive. Like Courtney Hodder had one of those games where it was almost incredible. It didn't quite come off, but she always looked dangerous. thought Greta Bodie is just, you know, having uh, just such an incredible season and she's such a joy to watch because she's so clever she's so she thinks things through in so much shorter time than everyone else seems to her like spatial awareness and not just around the ball but almost like five meters out from that point is just phenomenal exactly so uh, yeah it was really interesting that they thought Wardlaw was the the player that was going to win it for Brisbane Mm. but you know this the same players you know Emily Bates in the midfield Shannon Campbell in defense those sorts of players really did the job I think and Maggie Harmer made her debut yeah that was pretty special love a, a late season debut well there's three players to have ever debuted in a final and two of them are Brisbane players yeah um, who were your play on performance for the for the game? <sighs> Off the top of I don't your head. Know. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go with Bates with the three because she controlled it out of the middle. She was fairly dominant, I think, and, and she got a lot of inside fifties from memory. Hmm. I wanna go Bodie for the two. I'm trying to remember this game now. <laughs> it's more recent than the other one was. Um, yeah, Bodie for the two, and probably someone like a Kathy Spark for the one. Yeah. I think her defensive work um, in the midfield on Lambert was really important because without Benici or Davey in that side, Lambert had to carry the load. Mm. And as soon as they shut her down, I think Lambert only had 13 touches for the game. It was a very quiet game for her. The tag worked well. Yeah. So I think that really stopped Collingwood. I, I know there's always going to be the caveat of, you know, coming back from COVID and all that sort of stuff. But I think Brisbane played it really cleverly as well in terms of strategy. Yeah, absolutely. I've given three votes to Orla O'Dwyer, whose mother and sister managed to get out for the game and clearly had an impact. Um, She had a pretty huge game. Uh, I've given two votes to Emily Bates, you know, for all the reasons we talked about before. She's had a a cracker season and she obviously won the Coaches Association Award. And I've given one vote to Michaela Cairn, who, when Lambert was getting tagged out of the game by Cathy Spark, really stood up in that midfield for the Pies. And kind of has been playing that role a little bit in the last couple of games too. She's really sort of been able to come to the fore, um, which is exciting. And again, just reflects the kind of depth of player they have through the middle at Collingwood. Mm. And then fast forward, uh, we're finally at Saturday, uh, just gone. Um, Obviously, our first game of the day was AFLW at the G. It's our first preliminary final. Footy on display was simply sublime. The Demons 
match the lion's pressure at the contest and the expansive deck of the G clearly played into Alyssa Bannon's hands. She's streamed away from her opponents to kick three beautiful goals. A late surge in the fourth quarter saw Brisbane nearly reel back the lead, but Melbourne held on for that four-point win. It was pretty great. Yeah, it, it was weirdly similar to the game earlier in the year. Yeah, I thought so. And it was the same people who change the momentum mm. for the for the game as well so i've got a couple of stats that are fun for this one hit me because there are quite a few records broken not just you know the mcg stuff and whatever but in the grand final last year brisbane broke the record for most one percenters in the game with 46 um, and we've talked about it a lot because that's brisbane's game style was built off the back of the team first act rather yep. than individual act um in this game, Melbourne had 47, so Melbourne broke that record. But Brisbane had 48, so both teams broke the record for one percenters in this game, which I think is quite remarkable. It also says a lot about how Melbourne came in and played the game because we know that Brisbane are really clever with the way that they use the football, particularly those one percenters. So really the only way that a team was going to beat them is do the, the same thing, right? Yeah, I think so. Exactly. I think, and that comes down to the pressure part as well. So another record that got broken in this was it's the second most tackles combined for both teams in AFLW history. So there were 172 tackles laid in this game. The previous record was 178, which was Melbourne VGWS earlier this year down at Casey. Um, but in this one, 172 tackles, 99 of those were Brisbane. We've got to remember as well that it was raining in this game for, for large portions, so it was slippery. And what really came to the fore was the experience of both teams and the ability of both teams to adapt to those conditions really quickly, which was really incredible to watch. And, and we've got to remember that both of these teams are the ones still with their inaugural coaches left. The only two teams with a coach that started back in 2017 with Craig Starcevich and Nick Stanier. So it's just... I think it was such a fascinating game to watch in terms of strategy, yeah. experienced players being able to adapt to conditions, changing based on what's happening in game. So a really interesting thing was in the in the first quarter and, and probably most of the second quarter, Melbourne would kick long inside 50, trying to go for those big contestant marks because, you know, Taylor Harris is down there. We know Daisy Pierce is a good contestant mark, that sort of stuff. Brisbane was stopping that and rebounding out really, really well. So what Melbourne did was they cleared out their forward line. They got really high up the ground and used the speed going back, knowing that Bannon and, and McNamara and players like that would outrun Brisbane in yeah. that sprint back toward goal. So that was just a strategic move. And then we see Alyssa Bannon get on the back of a couple. You know, the, the last goal that Bannon kicked, um, when she actually gathers the ball, Daisy Pierce is actually running alongside her knows that she's not as fast. So she literally turns her body back toward goal. Beautiful Shepherd. And directs her teammates to come in and help support because there are a number of Brisbane players running back towards um, Bannon there. So it was, it's just that synergy in the team that is just incredible. And then to add to the drama, after that goal, Shannon Campbell sneaks forward again yeah. and kicks a, a, an impressive goal to put her team within 10 points and I think 12 minutes to go. And that's her third goal in the last three games because she's just doing it a lot now, mm. but, you know, gets them, gets them up and about. And it was just this chess piece, these chess pieces moving, but then because both teams are at such a caliber where they are skillful, but also very aware in game of what's happening. I just think it was remarkable to watch. And, 
uh, I clearly am getting up and about talking about it. I just love watching strategic footy executed really well. And that's what we saw. And people will look at the scoreboard and be like, oh, it was low scoring. Therefore, it was terrible. It was such a fascinating game to watch in terms of how they very carefully move things around. If you're a footy connoisseur, you'd be mad to dismiss watching that game on the basis of its of its scoreline. Yeah. Because like you say, it was like a chess match. It was so back and forth and back and forth. And they were just trying to outplay each other and outwit. And it was just absolutely enthralling. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, there's other things like Kathy Spark laid 17 tackles, six of which were in the first quarter. Um, Alyssa Bannon is now one of just five players to kick three goals in a final. No one's kicked more than three goals in a final before. You know, there's all these little storylines coming out of this game. And I know Brisbane supporters will be devastated that they got knocked out in the prelim. But, you know, if there was a way to be knocked out in a prelim, that's the way to go out, right? Hell yeah. One story that I do like particularly about Alyssa Bannon was that she'd never been to the G to watch a game of footy. And the very first time she runs out and kicks three goals on it. The first goal as well. Yeah, just absolutely magic. And like her... Her celebration after a goal was just electric, just up and about. So good. I'm so pleased that she is the age of which she is because it just means that we've got so much more football from Alyssa Bannon to watch. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. The only thing about it that frustrates me is that when they let the crowd in, they let them all in on that on that wing. Yeah. So the photos of her celebration looks like there's no crowd there, but there's actually a massive crowd. They're just sitting in a different part of the stadium. Yeah. And that's the only thing that bugs me because, it, yeah, it was just amazing. And, you know, she was the one that got them on the scoreboard against Brisbane early. She kicked two goals in that game, two really important goals. The Melbourne fans should be so excited um, about the players that they've got on that list. Gosh, yeah. They've just put it all together and hopefully, you know, we see that come to fruition um, one way or another this weekend. <laughs> Gemma's crossing her fingers. Noted for the pod. Who are your play on performers for that game? Uh, so because of all I've just said, because of the momentum shift that she provided, I've given Alyssa Bannon the three. Kicked the three goals, had five tackles from nine, and had nine disposals. I just think she every touch of hers is like gold. Mm. Um, and so I'm giving her the three. Two debates, again, she had 20 disposals, five inside 50s and five clearances. She did everything she could to try and get her team over the line. And then one... Uh, for a player who I absolutely adore and can't believe I haven't spoken about yet in this chat, um, Lauren Pierce, who Mm -hmm. had nine clearances for the second time in her career, which is the most clearances ever by a ruck, and she's done it twice. Um, She had a couple of really important intercepts in the last quarter as well, um, which helped seal it for Melbourne. Um, and she had from 15 disposals. Yeah, I just think Lauren Pierce is an absolute star. Yeah, well, it seems like we agree on a majority of these ones. Um, I've given three to Bannon because that was just one hell of a game and I really, really enjoyed watching her play footy. I've given two to Pierce uh, and one to Bates. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. And then, of course, after after that game, we all had to hustle to a pub or to our cars uh, to catch the next game. I literally sprinted to my car. I nearly <laughs> died. I don't run. That is, that's the, the, the effort, the energy that we're willing to put in to catch our back-to-back preliminary finals on a Saturday lunchtime. So the Crows are out to cement their fourth grand final appearance in the second preliminary of the day, but they're up against Frio, a side out to reap the rewards of their spectacular season. Two solid performers, lots of impact players, stoic defensive lines. It's a match set to be full of memorable moments, and we weren't really disappointed. Uh, Ultimately, the Crows, though, were able to execute their game plan more effectively, and they claimed a hard-won 14-point victory. Yeah, this was another really fascinating one in terms of strategy choices. Um, And I've been harping on all year about how the Crows have been pretty happy to concede the centre clearance um, Mm. and they're reliant on the intercept. But in this game, the Crows took that away from Fremantle and they were winning centre clearances and getting it inside 50 very quickly, um, putting the the Freo defenders on the back foot. And I thought that was a really interesting change for the Crows, and it really got them in early control of this game. Um, it, it was high pressure, as we can expect from, you know, an Adelaide Frio game. They're both very good pressure sides. The thing that was really evident, though, was that Adelaide did more. They were more efficient once they did get the ball into space. So Fremantle had 46 more uncontested possessions than Adelaide did. They ended up having seven fewer inside 50s. So Frio were trying to chip the ball around and, and choose those options going forward. But Adelaide, again, they set up that defensive wall far too well mm. and Frio couldn't break through it. So they were happy. And we've seen other teams do this to North Melbourne in the past. Yeah, Happy to let them chip the ball around in the defensive half. And then when they try to go forward, intercept it and put them under pressure. Yeah, Adelaide did that to Fremantle, no matter how much they tried to find a way through, make it chaotic, that sort of stuff. That Adelaide defence is just far too strong um, and Fremantle panicked a little bit in the forward half, I think. For me, it was it was always going to come down to whose defensive side worked better on the day. I mean, obviously both incredible defensive units, but we know how good the Crows are with an intercept off the back line and how many different players can play that role for them in that back line. It's pretty phenomenal. Yeah, well, this is the thing. You think intercept at the Crows, you think of Sarah Allen and Mariana Rudchich. They, they've been the two that have really led the way for the Crows this year, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. In this game, Chelsea Randall had 12 intercepts and Chelsea Bedell had seven. Huge. So they just have so many options. And, you know, we talk about Melbourne's forward line. If this player is not going to get you, this one will. For Adelaide, it's that defensive line. If Sarah Allen isn't doing the intercept, then it's Chelsea Randall. If it's not Chelsea Randall, it's Chelsea Bedell. If it's not Chelsea Bedell, it's Mariana Radcic. You know, Najwa Allen is still likely to come back into that side. It's just endless. Um, oh. And that's what they've built their game off this year. One of those intercepts was just a ridiculous contested mark going back with the flight from Chelsea Randall, who notably missed last year's grand final through concussion, but was still there to throw her body on the line for that, which I think is wild. Yeah. 
Yeah, huge. And like the, you just talking about, you know, the depth of the back line for the Crows and the depth of the forward line for, for the Ds just got my brain very excited for this weekend. Like depth on depth on depth. It's going to be amazing. Who will you play on performance for this game? So this one was hard because I I haven't included Ebony Antonio, who I think was incredible for Fremantle. She covered the ground incredibly. Um, She worked really hard all day. And very early on, she looked like the player that could do it for Fremantle. Mm. But I haven't included her. I've given the three to Ebony Marinoff because, again, we talked about needing that strength at the centre clearance, and that's how they got control. I think even though she didn't record heaps of the clearances, she was very instrumental in them winning those. Yeah. Um, she also had 22 touches, five tackles, four inside 50s, 405 metres gained, you know, just an all-round incredible performance. Ebony Marinoff uh, stands up in big games and in small games. She's just, She's just a very good player. constantly upright, standing yeah. all the time. Which is frustrating <laughs> when you don't go for Adelaide, right? Two to Hayley Miller. She had a career-high 26 disposals in her 50th AFLW game. Um, she also had five tackles, five clearances. Again, just like we said earlier in the Frio North Melbourne game, she does everything to try and get her team over the line and pull yeah. them with her. Um, she just couldn't quite do it in this game. And then, yeah, the one to Chelsea Randall, 15 touches, 12 intercepts. Very early in the game, she set the standard for her team. And I think they all kind of fed off that. I think she has a real habit of doing that. Um, and obviously, you know, it's a it's key to why the Crows have her installed as their captain. She's really good at setting the tone and and I guess also kind of like Miller, bringing her side along with her as well. Um, I Yeah, I just can't. You can't not like Chelsea Randall. She's just such a, a solid human and obviously a really good footballer player. Um, I've gone three votes for Marinoff. Yeah, I don't think I need to say any more. Um, like you, two votes for Miller. I've really, really enjoyed her season, and this game wasn't any wasn't an exception at all. It was just another really standout game for her. Like you said, unfortunately, it just didn't quite um, turn things on for Fremantle this weekend. Um, but I think she's done a fabulous job as captain, and you know, tough for them to to have to swallow the loss after such a huge season. And I've given one to Hatchard. Um, obviously, she's really instrumental in the middle for the Crows with Marinoff. They've this amazing one-two punch um, that the Crows have really been um, developing in this season has been huge for both of them. So, Yeah. Oh, it's wild to think that we're up to a grand final. I know. I know. And then that's, that's literally less than a week away for us now. There's a tiny part of me that's glad that it didn't end up being a, an MCG grand final because I was going to have to hustle from my um, 10 a.m. football match to the G um, and we were all cracking jokes that we would have to turn up in our like muddy kit but figured that that would be appropriate given the circumstances Um, but instead we've organized with our opposition to watch it at their clubhouse after the game which I think is pretty cool a nice intersection of local footy and elite footy Um, yeah those girls are generally the reason why most of us play so that's pretty cool and you're, you're on your way. You're going to go. Yes, I'm warding off COVID this week. I mean, yeah. COVID, come at me Sunday afternoon, but please don't come to me. Not before. before. Not before. <laughs> desperate, desperate to get over to Adelaide again. Oh, my God, yeah. So on that note, who's your pick? What's your tip? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I hate this question. <laughs> it's really um, hard when you get to this point in the season. Yeah, especially when I've, you know, been a Melbourne follower for six years and this is the last game that I will be following them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're yeah, going to unceremoniously won. cut them off. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I think we've come to an agreement. Someone, a couple of people from the club has actually mess, have actually messaged me and been like, will you still like us when the Swans come in? Um, you can have a second team. It's women's footy. It's different. I have three. I mean, I'm, I'm a <laughs> member of four clubs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I said this on another podcast that I recorded earlier today, but heart says Melbourne, head says Adelaide. Yeah. I, I tend to agree with you on that. I've got on my sheet here D's, D's by two, which suggests heart B, head. <laughs> yeah. So officially I'll tip Melbourne by one. And usually I only tip a team by one when I genuinely want them to win, but I'm you're res- nervous. You're respecting the opposition. Well, you have to, right? Yeah. You'd be mad not to. You're tipping Melbourne by two. I'm tipping Melbourne by two. Yeah. And then look. Stuff's going to get crazy, like, the next day. You just know it from with all the expansion stuff, especially with Port coming in. I think a lot of people have been waiting for Adelaide season to finish to start doing that. So, uh, you know, things are going to get wild very quickly. So I think people need to... I can't even handle it as it is now. Like, all of the rumours going around, I'm like, oh, no, come on, we're not even finished yet. I'm not ready. Yeah, My it's going to happen very quickly, I think. So, um. Prepare yourselves, I suppose. Yeah, go loins and all that. It's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be intense. Let's just bask in the in the loveliness of a grand final week and pretend that that's not happening until after Sunday. Yes, it's gonna be <laughs> wild. So obviously we've got we've got the grand final to come, but we will do uh, one final wrap up for this season post grand final, uh, and we're really keen to have you chuck us your questions. We did plan to do that for this episode, but both of us have been pretty smashed by everything in the football world. Um, so we haven't quite got the chance to do it. Gemma said to blame her, but I'm going to also take some of the blame as well. Oh, it's fully my fault. I literally <laughs> said to tell. I'll do the tweet and then I did not. Yeah, that's yeah, fine. It's absolutely fine. But this is your call out. Uh, we'd love your questions about anything and everything, Gem. Football related, of course, but yeah. Yeah, I mean... Preferably women's. If it's men's, I can't. I can answer, but um, preferably women's. Yeah, we're not ready for the uh, the switch just yet. <laughs> I mean, if you want to ask me how great the Swans are, then I'm more than happy to answer that question. Well, well we're heading into um, AFLW Swans territory soon, anyway, so it's probably applicable at that point. They've already got eight players on their list. I know it's, it's very nearly exciting. a third of a list. We're getting there. I'm, I am enjoying the the player signing announcements that you're starting to see out on socials. Um, the Hawks did a really nice one yeah, recently. Yeah, Lock. That was a great video. Definitely someone was cutting onions or there was some dust around, um, <laughs> much like the new Google ad too. That no, has no business making my eyes wet. <laughs> You know what? It's nice being a robot. And like, <laughs> this is a, I'm just like, yeah, that's nice. And yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> uh, but um, but yes. So send us in your questions. You can obviously hit us up on Instagram uh, or Twitter. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at row underscore Kel, and you can also find at Play on Radio Mel. Gem, what's your Twitter? I'm at GL Bastiani. Um, not Sebastiani, like I was addressed. <laughs> 
a piece of mail this week. Um, That's good. I, I have the envelope sitting on my kitchen bench to take a photo and put up somewhere, but um, yeah, please do. That, um, uh, that's great, yeah, yeah, Sebastiani. <laughs> so mad. Oh dear. Well, that's a wrap on our preview of the first four finals games, everything but the grand final for the AFLW season 2022. If you'd like to follow along with us, like we said, jump on Twitter, give us a follow. And thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.